slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Price. Another spectacular stop. Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Friday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad you could join us. Islanders lose a tough one to the Pittsburgh Penguins, 5-4. Third straight one-goal game in this series. Islanders now down two games to one, almost facing a must-win Saturday afternoon at the Nassau Coliseum in Game 4. We will break down what happened in Game 3, what is going on with these New York Islanders, and try to put together what they need to do to make things better. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. So, 5-4. to Islanders fall short for the second game in a row. And and this one hurt, uh, both physically and emotionally. And just so many things to talk about. I think we have to start, though, with what, to me, is the overwhelming issue that this team is facing. And there are a few, but I'm going to highlight this one. When you go back and look at the first three games of this series, in none of them, none of them, did the Islanders play their style of hockey for the majority of the game. There were bits and pieces. The third period in one game, the second period in another. But overall, when you look at the tempo of this series, when you look at the way that this series has been played, the style of play is definitely conducive to what the Pittsburgh Penguins want to do. And at the end of the day, the Islanders do not have the scoring depth and the uh, ability to win the majority of games, to win four out of seven, if they're playing the Penguins' style of hockey. Pittsburgh has more skilled players They have a deeper offensive roster, and the Islanders' advantages really are in physicality and team defense, and right now, neither of those things are dominating. The Islanders win by outworking you. They win by limiting the quality chances that you get, by forechecking, by forcing you to make mistakes off their forecheck and creating turnovers, and then cashing in on those turnovers. We saw that in spurts at best in Game 3. But at the end of the day, we need to see it for the majority of a hockey game. And so far, 
we didn't see it. And I really expected at home with the last change that the Islanders would find a way to get that going, but they unfortunately did not. And it really ended up hurting them badly. And it just was a very un-Islanders style of play. Uh, Again, too much room in the neutral zone. The Penguins able to enter the attack zone with speed and able to forecheck themselves as a result and, and create problems for the Islanders that way. Another part of the problem. And it's related, really. You look back at this game, and it seems like every time the Islanders scored, the Penguins scored very soon thereafter. Islanders tied it in the second period at 11.03. A minute and a half later, or two and a half minutes later, excuse me, Penguins regain the lead. Islanders down 3-1. to one. They get two goals early in the third period to tie it. A minute, six seconds after the Bavillier game-tying goal, Jeff Carter scores for the Penguins. Cal Clutterbuck ties it again for the Islanders at 14-17. Two minutes, seven seconds later, the game-winning goal by Brendan Tanev, and the Penguins win. Look, the Islanders are not the more explosive offensive team in this series. You cannot keep falling behind and expect to win because you don't have the horses. One thing we know about this Islanders team, when they score first, they are deadly this season. When the Islanders scored the first goal this year, their record was 23 2 and 2 and at home 15 0 and 2 in 17 home games when the Islanders scored first they got at least a point and they won 15 out of the 17 when the opponent scores first the Islanders are 9 15 and 5 this year and unfortunately Pittsburgh scored first again uh last night and it showed and At the end of the day, if the Islanders cannot control the tempo, cannot play their style of hockey, they are going to be in trouble. And they cannot afford to be trading goals with the Pittsburgh Penguins and to give back a goal every time you score is absolutely infuriating. And The crowd at the Coliseum did their best to try to lift the Islanders up. They certainly woke up after the Islanders pulled to within 3-2. And yet, uh, I, I just had a problem with the way this team started the hockey game. They looked flat. And, you know, for the second game in a row, early on in the game... Simeon Varlamov gave up a soft goal. And that is one thing that the Islanders just cannot afford to let happen. You need to get off to a faster start than that. And we're going to talk about Varlamov and what the Islanders should do about their goaltending situation for Game 4. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. 
Islander fans, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, still the best tasting protein bar ever. Comes in 18 amazing flavors, some with nuts, some are nut free, but all of them are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're healthy. I mean, it, it tastes like you're cheating on your diet, but you're actually eating something that's good for you. The bars are all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and that means they're great for the keto diet. And just listen to some of these flavors. Caramel brownie, apple almond crisp, salted caramel, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, toffee almond, double chocolate. You can't go wrong with any of these. What about the cherry barcia flavor? 17 grams of protein in every bar, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off on your next order. Once again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So we got to discuss the goaltending situation right now for the New York Islanders. At the end of the day, you can't... I defended Simeon Varlamov after Game 2. I mean, the guy made more than 40 saves. He was very strong in that game. But he did let up that very soft goal early on and then played well after that. Well, he let in another soft goal. This one just two minutes, one second into this game. And the fact of the matter is that goaltending is not just about how many goals you give up, how many saves you make. When you make those saves and how you make those saves are absolutely critical for a goaltender, especially in the playoffs. And the Islanders really cannot afford to allow that first goal. I mean, yes, the goal by Latang, it may have been deflected. I think they changed credit on that first goal three times, maybe even more. But at the end of the day, giving up that first goal is demoralizing for a hockey team two minutes in on a, a, a play that the goalie probably should have had and didn't react to. And then giving up goals after your team scores a goal, you know, very soon after your team scores a goal, again, very deflating for a hockey team, kills the momentum, takes the crowd, which, you know, that finally had almost 7,000 fans at the Nassau Coliseum for this game, you would have thought that, you know, the Islanders would have been stoked as a result of that. No, no, they kind of came out, and after giving up that goal, they were flat. You can't get off to that kind of a slow start, and I like Simeon Varlamov. I'm a fan of his. He, the Islanders wouldn't be where they are this year without his stellar play. But at the same time, right now, whether whatever injury, and they never disclose these things, but if whatever injury he had is affecting him, or if he's just going through a, a, a rough couple of games, I don't think necessarily that, that Barry Trotz should keep going with Simeon Varlamov in Game 4. Because, say what you will about the experience Varlamov has and how well he's played, 
after the first two or three games, Ilya Sorokin has been nearly as good, if not as good, as Simeon Varlamov for large stretches of this season. And he played very, very well in Game 1. The Islanders did not outplay the Penguins in Game 1, but one of the reasons they were able to win it in overtime is because of the strong play of Ilya Sorokin. If I am Barry Trotz in Game 4, I go back to Sorokin, and maybe I have a short leash, but, you know, it's not that I blame Varlamov for this loss, although he was a factor, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's a team loss. The team did not play particularly well overall, but... You need your goalie to come up big at big moments. And in games two and three, Simeon Varlamov just didn't do that. And I I think you, you have to change course at this point in an attempt to change the momentum of the series. Because look, let's face it. Game four for the Islanders is not a must win, but it's as close to a must win as you can get. Because... If the Islanders fall at home in Game 4, they would have to win three games in a row to win this series, with two of them being in Pittsburgh. And I'm not saying that that's impossible, but it's not as likely as if the series is tied 2-2 and you have a best-of-three series coming up. That's a whole different ball game. So Game 4 is critical. And there really isn't any more margin for error. Like I said, big fan of Simeon Varlamov. I think he deserves to be the number one goalie on this team when you look at his body of work for the season. But right now, he is not getting the job done. And I think that Ilya Sorokin is more of a 1A than he is a second string goalie. And based on the fact that he won game one and the fact that Varlamov has let in some ill-timed goals, some soft goals, let up goals, you know, in the first couple of minutes of both of the last two games, he just doesn't seem to be on top of his game right now. And I think I would give Sorokin the shot at game four if I were Barry Trotz. Now, Trotz always prefers to go with his veterans, so he may be hesitant to allow uh, Ilya Sorokin to play in Game 4, but you can hesitate all you want. You can stall all you want. The reason coaches get paid the big, big bucks is to make decisions like this, and Barry Trotz has a tough decision to make. Uh, You know, to me, you always want to go with the hot hand. And right now, I can't say Ilya Sorokin is the hot hand, but I can definitely say that Simeon Varlamov is not the hot hand right now. And because you're down two to one, you don't have any more, uh, you know, any more games to give up, really. So I would certainly go the other way go back to Sorokin for Game 4, and we'll see what happens. But uh, we'll keep you up to date sometime before Saturday 
as soon as we know who the Islanders are indeed going to play in Game 4. By the way, uh, if you have an Islanders question, comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to email the show, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com, and if you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the show when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest news, notes, and happenings, and I am live tweeting during every Islanders game, so make sure you join us for that. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a rough loss. It hurt, but the series is far from over. Again, all three games were one-goal games. We're going to have our Islanders birthday of the day. We'll talk a little bit about the extracurricular activities that took place in this game, and we'll look ahead to Game 4. All that still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. We also have the Belmont Stakes coming up, the NBA and NHL playoffs, and a whole lot more. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. Before the next puck drop, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams go on their playoff runs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Time now for our Islanders' birthday of the day. We are going all the way back to the very first season in Islanders history for this one. I want to wish a very happy 73rd birthday to former Islanders defenseman Bill Mickelson. And Mickelson was a member of the LA Kings uh, before joining the Islanders in the expansion draft in 1972-73. And Mickelson played 72 games for those first-year Islanders Scored a goal, had 11 points, and uh, unfortunately, since the Islanders only won 12 games out of the 78 that they played that first year, he was a minus 53 uh, on the plus-minus scale for the Islanders. And he then spent the following season in the AHL and then was a member of the expansion Washington Capitals, the Capitals broke the Islanders' record for worst all-time single-season record that season. And Mickelson played in 59 games, had three goals, 10 points, and was a minus 82 in 59 games, and that remains the NHL record. After that season, uh, Mickelson pretty much finished up in the AHL, played one more NHL game for the Capitals, in 1976-77, I did have the privilege of interviewing Bill Mickelson uh, for my book. Talked about, you know, the Islanders facing the Rangers in that first season. Very nice guy. His son later played in the NHL, and it was great to see that as well. But uh, he has the unfortunate distinction of 
having some of the worst plus-minus seasons in league history, and, and you can't blame him for it. He just was on some pretty dreadful hockey teams. We're going to go back and look at one of his better games for the Islanders that first season, November 3rd, 1972. Islanders in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. Jerry Desjardins in goal for the Isles. Ed Dyke was the goaltender for the Vancouver Canucks, and it was the Canucks getting on the board first. Dave Ballon giving Vancouver a 1-0 lead on a power play goal just 5-11 into the game, but the Islanders answered back less than a minute later. Brian Spinner Spencer, his second from Ed Westfall and Brian Marchenko, it was 1-1. Bobby Schmatz scored to give the Canucks a 2-1 lead, but at 9.36 of the first period, Bill Mickelson, our Islanders' birthday of the day, got his first goal as an Islander. Terry Crisp and Don Blackburn with the helpers. In the second period, goals by Bobby Lalonde and Jerry O'Flaherty gave Vancouver a 4-2 lead. And in the third, the Canucks pulled away. O'Flaherty scored again. Then Orland Kurtenbach got a goal for Vancouver followed by one by Jocelyn Gavermont on the power play. Final score, Islanders lose this one by a score of 7-2, to but it was the only goal scored by uh, our Islanders' birthday of the day, Bill Mickelson, while he was a member of the New York Islanders. So uh, I don't like to use games the Islanders lose too often when we look back at our Islanders' birthday of the day but uh, didn't really have a lot of choices with regards to this one. So, uh, happy birthday to Bill Mickelson, a class act and a, and a good guy, and, and a steady defenseman on some pretty bad uh, t expansion teams back in the mid-70s. He's 73, we wish him a happy birthday, and many happy more. As far as some of the rough stuff that we saw in Game 3, uh, big scrum, it ended up kind of waking up the Islanders, I think, a little bit. Uh, really started when, in my mind, Chris Letang uh, kind of grabbed the helmet of Oliver Wallstrom and, and grabbed him by the head and wouldn't let him go. There was a little scrum outside the Penguins' goal, and all 10 skaters on the ice ended up in the penalty box. The Islanders ended up with a power play. They got a goal off of that power play. So, you know, that did sort of help spark the Islanders a little bit at the time early on in that third period, and Bavillier got the goal, and it was tied. And then again, you know, you have the momentum back. You get two goals in in a little more than two minutes, and then Cal Clutterbuck, who scored twice, took a foolish penalty. Islanders couldn't kill it off. Jeff Carter answers and scores. The Islanders stood up for each other. I like that. And it did help them really sort of come out of their shell. And at the end of the day, uh, this team needed that intensity sooner in this game. And, you know, you talk about the soft goals that uh, Varlamov let up in games one, uh, two and three, the first two games that he played in this series. But the fact of the matter is, you know, if puck drop is at 7-10, you got to be ready to play 
at 7-10. And the Islanders in games two and three did not get off to good starts. And this is something I think that Barry Trotz has to work on. You guys can't wait for something to happen to get emotionally ready to play playoff hockey. And unfortunately, we saw a little too much of that, especially in the last two games. I figured the Islanders would come out hitting and playing physically. You know, you didn't have crowds pretty much all season long, and then you finally had, what, 1,400 fans. Now you had almost 7,000. It really would have been more appropriate to come out psyched up and playing the body and forechecking and being aggressive, and we didn't get any of that. So that's one thing the Islanders definitely need to figure out. And then just get back to playing Islanders hockey. You know, the old expression is in sports, when you go to the dance, you go with the girl that you brung there. For the Islanders, that's defense. That's forechecking. That's that's backchecking. That's playing the style of hockey that makes the Islanders a team that nobody wants to play against. Folks, it's do or die time. Islanders have almost got to win game four. We'll see if they can get it done. Saturday afternoon, three o'clock start at the Nassau Coliseum. I know the barn will be rocking. Let's just hope the Islanders bring a little more juice at the start of this game and can even the series. We'll see. And of course, we will be back to give a full recap of that game and analyze it and break it all down. And again, I live tweet during every Islanders game and and please follow and always great to talk to fans and and, uh, break down things. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. That's going to do it for us on today's episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Hope everybody has a great start to their weekend. We will be back after uh, game four and hopefully with better news for the New York Islanders. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.